Welcome to the Do Divorce Right podcast. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and I'm here to help you transition through your divorce with ease and integrity, to not only survive the challenges of your divorce, but to thrive as you come out the other side of it with a much better life than you ever hoped possible. On this show, we talk about many different aspects of divorce, interview women who have their own incredible divorce stories, or those who can offer some great advice as you go through yours. The focus here is to help you find the strength and support to help you feel lighter, happier, more positive, and in a better frame of mind to face the inevitable challenges of your current journey. Welcome back to the Do Divorce Right podcast. Um, this episode is another solo episode, so you're just here with me. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about something that's been going on um, and a realization that I have had about holding myself back. I've been holding myself back from being more visible, being more um, accessible, for lots of different reasons, and I'll, I'll get into that in a moment. Um, and one of the things I wanted to talk about in this episode is Tim Ferriss's fear setting exercise. Now, my business mentor is Tina Tower. She's phenomenal. And she runs a program called Her Empire Builder. And you're going to hear a lot more about that program and about Tina and about my work in the coming weeks and months because um it's just been announced this week that I am one of the super lucky members from her program that is going to be joining Tina in the Gold Coast to help her with her upcoming launch. Now, her launch means that, you know, she's opening the doors to her membership and will be bringing more people in. So anybody looking to build an online course or an online business and membership, um, she is the mentor for creating those dreams and turning them into reality. Why do I bring this up? Um, because it was Tina who first introduced me to this incredible exercise, this fear-setting exercise. Now, I'll, I'll go into the details of it in a moment and, of course, um, link to a Tim Ferriss podcast episode about it and a TED Talk about it. You can hear from people who are far more... Uh, experienced in this space than I am. It isn't an exercise that I have regularly undertaken. And in truth, it's not an exercise that I have ever undertaken in, in true, like in depth. I don't journal these questions regularly, though I think I'm going to have to moving forward because I had this realization um, only this week um, that I am about to share with you. Right. So we'll come to the fear setting exercise in a moment and how we can get out of our own way. But the way in which I've been holding myself back in this past year is I, so I launched this business in divorce coaching. Um, I, when I say launched, I set it up. I created myself an Instagram account, a website, um, you know, all of the business entity and all of the pieces and started working with clients, paid clients for the first time, I guess, in April last year. So I'd been working informally um, as a divorce coach already, helping friends and friends of friends through what they were doing, using my coaching expertise from the corporate world where I'm a leadership coach and consultant. But I decided really to turn that into a business last April 
um, I think by the time it really got out into the world, it must have been June, July, August. So let's say about a year already. In that time, I've launched this podcast that I absolutely love. I've had, um, you know, beautiful clients come through. I've created an online program. I've created a membership. And yet I haven't given myself the kind of visibility that my business deserves and that my potential clients deserve because I was holding myself back. I didn't quite complete the online program and launch it into the world, right? I didn't um, finish all of the videos. I didn't quite finish the workbook. I didn't advertise it anywhere. I um, quietly said I'm going to and and just never quite did. And then there was a period earlier this year where I noticed that when Um, inquiries were coming through to work with me, I was feeling really uncomfortable about it. I was like delaying the calls. Um, I'd have a discovery call with someone and then not follow up or, you know, I just wasn't inviting new people into my world and I, I really couldn't understand why. So I was talking to some of my business, um, besties, if you like, beautiful, beautiful women uh, in the Hair Empire Builder membership, as well as some other friendships that I've made in this last 18 months. And we figured out, like through this conversation, through talking it out, I realized that there were two things holding me back from really embracing visibility and from really inviting people into my world and helping in the way that I want to. The first reason was because well, my divorce shit isn't quite complete yet. Um, And in truth, it probably never will be, right? We have children. We have shared children together. Um, While he isn't in our lives at the moment, he will always be the genetic father of my babies. And while he's alive, he will still have the opportunity to have a relationship with them, whatever that looks like. So I will be having to navigate that with him. So that's that's just an irrefutable truth, right? That That's never going to change. But what did change was that we have gone back into um, a court situation. So back into the family court and battling it out again. And it's I'm not going to go into any kind of detail here. I don't even think I'm allowed to. Um, But it just made me feel almost inauthentic. If I'm still, still being dragged 10 years later back into the family court to defend my choices and um, defend my actions, which obviously I'm doing the best I can. Like I'm I'm not at all um, worried or concerned about how this is going to play out, but I am being dragged back in. And I just thought, well, if this is the case, if I'm still (laughs) 10 years into divorcing and it's not ending, then how can I possibly guide others or help people who do have to go through the ugliness of divorce at whatever stage they're at? If I can't say, I've achieved it. I had the 
best divorce on the planet, um, you know, lucky me, look, you know, you can have this too, then who am I to provide advice? I've unpacked that quite a lot since, which is, you know, that it's utterly ridiculous to think I could only have one type of experience that is exactly like your experience to have anything to offer. That's just simply not the case. Um, You know, therapists don't need to have gone through exactly what your trauma is to help you through the trauma. And I'm not saying I'm a therapist. I'm certainly not. As a leadership coach, I don't need to have had exactly the experience that my client has had to be able to guide them through and find a solution. Um, You know, as a uh, coach on resilience, again, I don't need to have experienced exactly the situation that my client has experienced to be able to guide them through it. So while my my divorce experience is, is a lived experience and it's useful to have that context to, to be able to connect with my clients and truly understand how they might be feeling and what they might be going through, the journey will always be unique in many ways. So my experience will not be the same as the other person's. That does not make me any less qualified to coach somebody through what they're going through. So that's the first thing that was holding me back. Who, you know, essentially imposter syndrome, don't you think? Like who do, who do I think I am <laughs> to be able to help people if uh, if I'm still having such a shitty time? Well, okay, kind of unpacked that and, and logicked my way out of it. And I guess another thing, a proof point on why I would be the right person is because even though it's gone on for a decade, I still have been able to build a fabulous life, a beautiful life with a gorgeous man, two beautiful humans, um, our babies, and um you know, and financial freedom. I've been able to get myself back from below nothing to doing extremely well and happy, right? So that's point number one. Imposter syndrome can go away. The second reason I've been holding myself back is because there was a not small part of me that was worried that my ex-husband would somehow find out about my business and use it against me, right? So he'd somehow find a way to either troll me publicly or um, take me down, whatever. Well, okay, my ex-husband has found my business and has has actively tried to have me shut it down. Um, he uses it to insult me privately and publicly. He hasn't yet trolled my socials, but I'm pretty sure he's going to. Let's give that some time. So essentially, I was holding myself back from serving more people and doing a service, a great service, because I was afraid of something that's happened anyway. So why didn't I just do it sooner? Like the fact that he has come and is trying to shut down my business and and is trying to humiliate me publicly and privately, it's not changing anything. I'm still here. I'm still 
coaching people. I'm still on my podcast. I'm still on my socials. And I'm about to get a boatload of exposure through the Tina Tower launch house. So it happened. What am I going to do? Like nothing. It's fine. I'm going to get on anyway. Which this this is what led me then to thinking about, oh, that's why Tina suggested doing the fear-setting exercise because I could have short-circuited this whole realisation and maybe come to it a year ago uh, rather than having to, like, be quiet and hide a little bit and, like, dipping my toe in the water instead of, like, fully plunging in. I share this with you because I wonder... Is there something that's holding you back from fully plunging in to building your business or living in the way that you really want to? Or I don't know, what what are your dreams? What do they look like? Or is it like starting the new relationship that you think you might be interested in? But, 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 you know, there's all these reasons why not. So let me talk you through this fear setting exercise and you can figure out whether you're holding yourself back for good reason or not, some things do need to wait, but some things perhaps we can just logic ourselves out of it and think even if the worst happens, it's worth it, which is my case, right? The worst, the worst is really not that bad. The worst has happened and I'm fine. So here's... um. Tim Ferriss, like I say, there will be a link below to his TED Talk, which is thoroughly uh, recommended. I highly recommend that you watch it It's or listen to it. It's not very long. Um, I'll also link to his podcast episode that, if I remember correctly, is literally just an audio from the TED Talk. So if you find it easier to listen to a podcast because you're walking or driving instead of watching, then I'll link that as well. Um, But here are the questions that he wants you to ask yourself in order to understand what you're afraid of and, and unpick that. So the first thing is to define your nightmare, the absolute worst that could happen if you do what you're thinking about doing. What doubts, what fears, what what ifs pop up if you think about those big changes. He's suggesting that we look at it in really a lot of detail. So mine might have been, I really, really want to launch. I want to get very visible. Perhaps I'm going to post on my uh, private Facebook page, my private Instagram page, all of the things that I've avoided doing because I was afraid my ex-husband might see them. Um, You know, certainly his mutual friends from decades ago were on there. Um, So what would that nightmare look like? Okay, so he might um, harass me. He might get on the socials and troll. He might um, (laughs) literally try and shut the business down. I mean, honestly, how? (laughs) Like, why are you trying to do that? Um, Okay, so sure, that that would be the worst case scenario. If, If this had happened a year ago and I hadn't been as prepared as I guess I am now, um envisage this in painstaking detail would it be the end of my life clearly not uh what would be the permanent impact if any on a scale of one to ten i imagined that this the permanent impact might have been eight or nine or ten right the the humiliation of it the 
um, reputation disruption. But in reality, it's like a one. It's, it really is something I'm laughing about now. Um, and how likely do you think it is that they that it would actually happen? So I thought it was pretty likely, which is why I avoided doing what I, what I should have been doing. So the second question then is, well, what steps could you take to repair any damage or get things back on the upswing if that worst thing did happen? Okay, so if you really think through what's the worst that can happen if I start dating again, I could meet um, another narcissist or I could... Um, um, I could meet someone who wants to take all my money. I could um, I could meet somebody who insults my body. Okay, so what are the chances or what's the worst that could happen? Let's go into that into detail. What do I fear about that? Uh, what would be the permanent impact on that? So any of those scenarios, the permanent impact would be next to nil because you would kick his ass to the curb. You're fabulous. He'd be mad. Like you'd get rid of it. <laughs> so what steps could you take to repair that damage? You would, um, you know, take whatever it, whatever it is you can to look after yourself and protect yourself. Okay. And as Tim says in this exercise, you know, the chances are is it, it's much easier to repair that damage than you imagine it could be. So how how quickly could you get things under control? The third question is, uh, what are the outcomes or benefits, both temporary and permanent, of the more probable scenarios? So now that you've defined the nightmare, what are the more probable or definite positive outcomes, whether they're internal, such as, well, then I'll have confidence again, or, you know, I will have dated again, I will have broken the seal um, or whether that's an external positive outcome and then think through well, what's the impact of those most of these more likely outcomes excuse me on a scale of one to ten and how likely is it that you could produce at least one like at least a moderately good outcome is there anyone less intelligent than me that has done this before and pulled it off Certainly, certainly going to be the case. Um, then it goes on. There's more. There's there's more detail in here. I will leave it with you to hear from Tim himself. Um, but I do just want to like play back again and share with you. I have been holding myself back from serving more customers. I customers, more clients, more women, and I am so apologetic for that because I'm doing a disservice. I've held myself back for a fear that came true anyway and has hurt me in no way um, and I just really shouldn't have. So I'm going to forgive myself for that. I'm going to say I'm sorry. I forgive myself. I love myself and I'm going to do better. Thanks for listening. I wonder if you can apply that same insight about Hmm, holding myself back. What if the worst happens? What if the worst isn't as bad as I think it might be? And applying maybe Tim Ferriss's fear setting exercise to that scenario so that you can feel freer to just move on and, you know, move on and do what it what feels right, the direction that you 
want to be heading in, that action that you want to take, maybe this is your sign. Sending lots of love. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you took something of value out of this episode. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and you can find me on the web at dodivorceright.com or on Instagram at dodivorceright. I look forward to connecting with you there.